Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church. We need your power in us. God is good, isn't he? Amen. All Amen. All the time. You know, it is good to be back. It is good to be back here among friends and family. And, uh, uh, you know, sometimes you, you take things for granted. You can take worship for granted. You can take the gathering of the saints for granted. But don't do it because I'm telling you, it is refreshing just to be in this house today. It's refreshing to be around worship today. It's refreshing just to, to be with family. So we are, we are so blessed. Uh, a couple things as they're finishing up there. Uh, continue to be praying for us. Uh, things are moving along there just little by little. And, and when I say this, I'm not saying this out of anything that's not real, but uh, the work that's going on there and the people coming in don't have as much to do with me and Jackie as it does Jesus. He's been working in the heart of men and women before we got there and he continues to do so. We've had several times, we've had different ones starting to come to church. Uh, I was sharing with a couple guys this morning is that uh, uh, we had a, one of the councilmen for that, that segment where Partial is at, uh, he had a birthday party after church service in the same building, and he came through, and I, it shocked him who was in church. I had five different uh, brothers and cousins-in-laws who are some of the roughest, toughest, mean fellas around that place, and he knows them because he grew up with them. And he came in there, and they were all in church, and he was like, what? He kind of went around, and he shook their hand. He's like, <laughs> and then now him and his, uh, his family are, are talking about wanting to come check out church and see what's going on. And God is doing something. And here's the thing, is God never stops. God never changes his mind. His mind is the same that it was when Jesus came, is that none should perish. That's his mindset. I don't want any to perish. Listen, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to bringing the good news to people, Jesus ain't taking a vacation. He's not having to work through some dry season. He is always ready, and he's always willing. If we will just step out and walk with him, he'll do the work. That's right. You know, we're, the only thing we're doing, I, I had... Um, uh, an old uh, apostolic man out of, out of Europe tell me that one time, he says, you know, he, he does, he's worked with so many different churches and different things, and he, he said, you know, I'm a steak. I said, you're a steak. And I was thinking, you know, ribeye steak. That's my mind goes to food right away. And he said, no, a tent steak. <laughs> I said, oh. He said, God just takes me in the middle of a problem, and he pounds me in the ground, and he says, stay there for a while. And sometimes that's how we feel. <laughs> the guy said, hey, just stay there. I'm working. I just got to have a stake to stay in the middle. Just stay there. Stay there and serve me. Follow me. And, and I can see as we're going along. Thank you so much. Oh. Ooh, they're even pink. All right. <laughs> but he is moving. Um, we can see some things. We're actually, uh, in some parts, we're even looking at 
what it would take to do a little building and get started to do something that we can do our own. And we're looking and looking for opportunity, looking for what God has for us. Um, but I believe there are countless people throughout that reservation who God is preparing their heart. It's not just a couple. As we're there, there are so few places. And sometimes we can take church for granted, but I'm telling you, they do not have a church like this on that reservation. They have churches that are very, very dry. They're very hard. They're very old. But they don't have ones that just have life. And God's wanting to bring life more and more. And the guys that are coming to church there are some rough, tough fellas, and you won't get them in church except for God did something in them. In fact, one of my brother-in-laws, we asked him to give a testimony. I think he's a preacher. He preached better than I did that day. And that was just, his tes- that was just a testimony of how God good was that day. But God is doing work, and, and we're excited about it, and, and we're excited about, about Kirksville. I'm excited about what God's doing here because God is continuing to work. And I, I, I tell you, Glenn, I, I'm going to hit a couple things today, and I'll, I always like the thing about Glenn is, is Glenn never cares if I make a mess because he always is good at fixing it. <laughs> He's been doing that to me for over 20 years now. Yeah, yeah, but my messes ain't as bad as they used to be, so he hasn't had to work as hard. But today I want to look at something. I want to look at a, I'm, I got the, the name of the message is Little Foxes. And I'm going to be talking about the spirit of restlessness. In, in the, the Song of Songs, chapter 2, Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, catch us the foxes, the little foxes spoil the vine, for our vine has tender grapes. In, in the Song of Solomon there, you, you really find it's like a love song. You know, there's some parts that you just don't preach on Sunday even in that, Psalms, that song because you don't want to embarrass anybody or have people get irritated or upset. But since Glenn has to clean up the mess, no. We're <laughs> we'll stick with that verse there. But in there, it's really talking about a love story. It's a love song. It's, it's, it's really, it's quite good. Um, and in there, what, ha- what they were talking about there is they were saying, hey, we need to catch the foxes. We need to catch the little foxes that can spoil the vine of our relationship. And it's almost like they're, the song that they have before they get married. Hey, we need to deal with some issues that could kill our marriage down the road. We need to deal with some things that could wreck this, this, this what we have, our love. We need to deal with those things now. We need to catch them little foxes. We need to deal with them so they don't begin to hinder and destroy the very thing that we know is right. See, foxes can be all kinds of different problems. It can be, uh, be things that, that come along. It could, and what it does, and when it talks about it, how our vine has tender grapes, it's talking about those foxes that will kill what you could, should really produce. A vine should produce grapes. A Christian should produce Christians. It's <laughs> not a trick question. <laughs> They should produce the things of God. They should produce the character of God. They should produce the love of God. They should produce the things that God produces. That's what Christians do. We, we re-represent Christ What as we produce, not as we talk, as we produce. And what, what the enemy does is so, he brings along so many little things that can get in there and try to kill and destroy. And, and these, little, these little foxes, sometimes they have to do with personal habits, but they're all bondages. And, and it gets in a place where 
where those little things can even sometimes be passed down. Have, has anybody figured out that uh, Jesus was holy, but my family is not? <laughs> Jesus had a perfect doctrine. My family did not. You know, you begin to, begin to find those things. And the truth is, is that Jesus is holy in his doctrine and his life. I am not. And we begin to understand some things, but we have to be careful that we don't pass on things and let those little foxes have room to destroy. Anybody ever here say, well, that's not the way we do it in our family? Yeah, but let's just get back to how does God do it? Let's stick with that one. I had a native guy. Um, uh, I, got in a, I got in the middle of a mess. I do that every once in a while. I get in the middle of a mess, and I just kind of, I have fun with it. Um, and this young man was married, and, and uh, he married a, a young native gal, and, and there's so much jealousy going on and so much, so much fighting. And uh, so the boy's dad talked to him and said, well, if she ever gets jealous in front of people, if you just embarrass her, she will quit being jealous in front of people. I was like, who's a Christian in this group? Because none of you are following God in this group. And I said, How many knows that embarrassing your wife in front of people does not work? In fact, you will reap what you sow times many more. <laughs> Hell hath no fury. Is that the Bible? I don't know. What if we'll say that <laughs> and I had to get in the middle of things. And sometimes we just pass on things. And it's, it, well, that's the way it is. Well, that's how it is. And I had to get in the middle of it and say, no, that's not the way it is. I can do all things in Christ. I can overcome rough things in my marriage through Christ in Jesus' name. I don't have to settle for second best, and I'm sure not doing what you're doing because you've been doing it your whole life and your wife, and you don't get along any better than you did when you are first married. What a shame. Hey, as time goes on, it should get better. Amen, Cy? Right. Every day. Every day. Every day, just... Man, he's like living in the bakery shop now. He's got it perfect. <laughs> Sometimes what happens is, as believers is many times it's easy to begin to fall short in our personal relationships with other people, and it's easy to fall short in our relationship with God because we're not careful about catching and dealing with little foxes. The big things, see, Satan is, is tricky. The big things, he knows you're going to come at him. If Satan jumped out from behind a bush and said, I am Satan and I will kill you, you would instantly go to a new level of prayer on your knees, crying out before God. That's not how he comes at us. He brings little things. Little things in the door. Little things that can begin to eat away what we should produce in our life. Little things that begin to separate us from God. And if we don't deal with those things, what happens is, is that pretty soon we begin to grow in Christ. And after a while, we, we grow when we become complacent instead of expecting. See, there's something about that deal when, when we begin to walk with Jesus and when we first walk with him, uh, there's an excitement and there's an expectation. And, and sometimes we think we can take on the world. It's like, we're going to save everybody, and we're doing it this weekend. <laughs> when I see young ones run and do that, I'm like, I love it. i got to just go watch it, you know, because it's awesome. And then we say, well, as we grow up, you know, we learn more patience. 
And the truth is, is that sometimes it ain't about how much patience we have, is do we really expect God to do something? Is there still a fire there? Are we looking for God to do something? Are we looking for an opportunity? Are we looking for him to move and do something? There, there's two young men who are, are helping to side our garage that are, are nephews of ours, but I've had several times where I get to talk to him about the Lord, and I'm going to hook him. Why? Because I hired him for a reason. It was twofold. I need to get my garage sided. <laughs> Another one is, is that I need to build a relationship with these boys because they need Jesus. And somewhere, are you still expecting? Is there something still there? And what happens is, is that what, how you know little foxes come in is they begin to eat away at what you produce. Pretty soon I'm producing nothing. I'm leading no one to know Christ. I'm leading nobody into the goodness of who God is. I'm not displaying the goodness of God. Uh, there, there's something about, and, and, I, and this is, is, is part of the gospel, but it's a big part of the gospel that you can't have with everything else without this part of the gospel. I'm saved for a purpose, and that purpose isn't just so I can be saved. It's so that I might bring the salvation of Christ to my neighbor on my right side, my neighbor on my left side, to the person down the street. There's something about it. When Jesus come, he said, man, I'm doing my father's business. I ain't even got time to eat today, but I'm doing my father's business, and his business is bringing the good news that I have come, that none should perish, but they should have life. Do you want life? Amen. See, somewhere there needs to be something come out of the inside of us that looks a lot like he does. And if it doesn't, then something begins to be wrong and we have to look hey what has happened what has happened is is that the little foxes are already eating your fruit i'm too tired or depressed to help that fruit the fox eats that one <laughs> i'm too messed up to tell someone about jesus there's another one of my fruit the fox are eating because as he eats the little things in my life here's how you know are you producing in christ there should be something producing. And I'm not saying that we go on the street corner. For some of you, yeah, you need to be on a street corner. <laughs> There's ones who are just full of fire and they can do it. Me, I'm, I'm a sniper. I'm a hunter. That's just the best thing in life. I put, I put a little something out, they come out to eat it, and they don't see me above them in a tree, and I just, bam! And they're like, oh my gosh, what happened? Well, you got saved. <laughs> oh Damon just my friend oh my gosh what just happened to my world I got saved but somewhere listen this is something that's powerful and this goes, goes along with that prophetic and evangelistic somewhere that needs to open up and we need to start just doing who we're supposed to do be who we're supposed to be Somewhere we got to get out. We, we, there needs to be something come off of us. And some of us will be good speakers. Some of us ain't. Some of us is just finding someone who's in a ditch and saying, here, I'm going to help you and love you. Everybody can do that. I'm going to feed you. You're hungry, I'm going to feed you. You ain't got no clothes, I'm going to get you some clothes. You're having a hard time here, I'm going to start working with you here. And I'm just going to love you. I'm going to make you part of your family. And oh yeah, come to church with us Sunday because you need to know Jesus. <laughs> Come with me. You need to know him. You need to know his, his grace, his power, his love. You need to touch that deal. Something powerful about it if we begin to touch it. And what happens is, is if we're not careful, those little foxes begin to work their way in. They're so sneaky. 
and they'll begin to kill and destroy. And all of a sudden, before we know it, we're more worried about the order of song service than we are about salvation. Amen, pastor. <laughs> I always have a good time. God's just wonderful. You know, we're more worried about how someone, oh, someone should have said something different. Who cares? Yeah, you know, I will be politically incorrect till the day I die. And when I met Jesus, he was not politically correct. He will say things that will rock people's world. And he will say things that will offend. In fact, truth many times offends you at first sight. And you say, well, God's a God of love. He is. He loves you so much, he'll correct you in the middle of your mess and say, turn around and go the other way. You're in sin. Stop. If he hasn't said that lately, you need to go back to him and say, God, I'm here. I'm here. Correct me. Amen? Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about the spirit of restlessness because I believe this is one of the areas that begins to open up the door for little foxes. I mean, when I look at a lot of things, I, I see this, and there's, there's so much more to this that can go so many different ways. But, but this is kind of what the, what the Lord began to talk to me about. In Genesis chapter 27 and verse 40, we're going to look at um, Jacob and Esau just for a minute. And in Genesis 27 and verse 40, it said, and I'm reading this from the New King James Version. I'm going to read a couple versions because I'm, I'm going I'm to shoot out a couple holy cows. If it's one of yours, just take the chain off of them. Let them die. Uh, but restlessness. In this verse here, it's talking about Esau. It says, by your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass, when you, have, when you become, rest, become restless, that you shall break the yoke from, the, from your neck. Now, the story of Jacob and Esau, we know that story where, where Esau sold his birthright for some soup because he couldn't wait. I got to eat now. I got to have it now. And then later on, Jacob stole the blessing of, es of Esau. And so Esau was in a place where he was mad, and his, his idea is like, I need to kill my brother. <laughs> yeah, so they had some issues in that family. <coughs> but in this version, this is what this verse sounds like. It sounds like, Esau, you're going to live under your brother, under the blessing and plan that you were created for until you become restless. Then you'll break the yoke. That's what it sounds like. When you become restless, then you'll break the yoke. I'm going to shoot at a couple holy cows, and I'll let Glenn clean up the pieces later. Um, because a lot of times what there is is there's a school of thought, and I, and I really want to challenge it here today a little bit. Uh, but God will bring restlessness to the point in my life till, I, till I'm so sick and tired of it that I'll do something and I'll change. Uh, God will use anything, but God don't bring it. God does not bring restlessness. Uh, and, and what that sounds like is that, that when restlessness comes, then you'll get up and do, <coughs> excuse me, a restless spirit, really what it is, is it's an open door to the demonic, and it is not the work of God. God does not open demonic doors into your life, but restlessness will. When someone is constantly restless, there is a demonic door into their life where they are living in torment, and that is not the spirit of God. And it keeps, and these are one of the foxes that keep people from being the man or woman of God they're supposed to be because they're so restless and wrestling these little things. I feel, I think, I have this. I, and it, all these things keep them from being who God made them to be. Uh, 
keeps him in a, spl- a place of wrestling. The worst place to be is in a place where you're constantly wrestling. And in Christ, I don't constantly wrestle. In fact, I've learned something else. is the battle ain't mine, it's his. I get to fight, and I get to win, but it's because he's winning. But that battle ain't on my shoulder, it's on his. I'm just walking with him. And we begin to think that we have to wrestle things in our life sometimes. Or, or, but when, when I begin to wrestle, what happens is, is that if I am in a place of restlessness, what's happened is, is God has went this way and I took a detour somewhere else. It's like these Missouri roads for all the youngsters. When the road turns right and you don't, you're in the ditch. When God turns right and you don't, you're in the ditch. And you're in a place of restlessness again. You're in a place of, of having a hard time and wrestling. And, 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 and we're going to get more into what some of that looks like a little bit. I want to look at that verse again in Genesis 27 and verse 40 out of the King James Version. This is a lot better uh, of a translation. It says, By the sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you have taken, when, you, when thou shalt have the dominion, that you shall break the yoke off of your neck. Now this reads a lot better because it, it changes. In fact, this is a better translation when you go into the original than the other. One talks about when you get so restless, you'll do something. This one says, it says, here's, here's the way this one reads in my, my, my words. You're in a place of less than you were meant to be, but the time will come when you will take dominion over it and you'll break the bondage that's holding you back. See, God's plan for Esau was not that he would not get blessed. That had to do with Esau and Jacob. God's plan was not for Esau that he would lose his birthright. He lost his birthright because he gave it away in his own anxiousness, and his own restlessness. He gave it away to his brother. I'm, I'll get more into that. That's how that came. That didn't come because of God. God said, you're the firstborn son. That, that birthright's yours. That birthright's yours. That blessing is yours. And what happened is he missed out on both. And, and here's, here's a couple things what restlessness looks like. Restlessness looks like fear. It looks like worry and confusion. Restlessness looks like <coughs> a lack of good relationships with other people. An inability to hear God's word. A constant drive to prove that you're somebody in Christ. That's restlessness. That ain't God. I'm going to tell you something. The shepherd leads his sheep. He don't drive them. When we're driving, there's something wrong. There's a difference. When we're in a place of anger, unable to make a decision, a place of frustration, and we don't even know why, usually we're dealing with restlessness. If we're in a place where we have to work eight hours a week just so we can function better, we're in a place of restlessness. In fact, I'll, I'll say this for... I don't know, some of our guys like to overwork. Uh, I'd be in that category. Um, you know, here, here's a cheap counterfeit to beat restlessness that doesn't really work because it's cheap. Is work 90 hours a week and you'll be too tired to be restless. Because when you go to bed at night, you're like, oh, thank you, Lord, for this pillow and blanket. And you just go to bed. You're not up resting because you're so stinking tired. When you have to operate like that in your life, what happens is, is usually when someone does that, instead of dealing with the little foxes, they're finding a way to ignore them. I'm not restless. 
My spouse might be restless, but I'm not because I'm working 100 hours a week. <laughs> They're having a hard time. I'm not. I sleep fine every night. <laughs> yeah, because you're exhausted. Instead of dealing with the problem, we find something else to try to a counterfeit. And, but what happens is, is that it's a counterfeit. Nothing ever comes good of it. We will continually be wrestling with that, and it will continue to kill the fruit down the road because it will eat the fruit that belongs there. And I'll say that about marriage. If you're not working on the same page and you're working against each other, you're, you're allowing foxes to kill the fruit that should come out of your marriage. Marriage is what? It is a representative of Christ and the church and how they're supposed to walk together on this earth. That's what it is. That, when you look in your Bible, that's exactly what it is. As people look at our marriage, they'll see. And if you think that you're going to be a super holy person and your husband or wife is going to be second fiddle of the toad, you've got a problem because you ain't going to have no fruit. You're going to have nothing but a spoiled vine that if you don't do something about it, it could die. Those little foxes. Here's what I believe too, and I'll, I'll throw that out there since Glenn is a pastor. <laughs> Many times what I've found, and I could be wrong, Glenn, I've been wrong probably several times today already, but many times what I've found is when you have church problems and conflicts, it has to do with people operating in a restless spirit. They're not operating in the spirit of God, they're operating in a restless spirit. I've got to have it my way. I've got to sit in my special chair. I have to have my style of worship. I have to have my way when it comes to this. There's a restlessness on the inside of you and it's an open door for the demonic to send little things into your life and destroy. Because it starts out of a restlessness and next thing you know it turns into a depression. First thing I have a hard time with something Glenn is preaching. It starts bothering me. I'm restless about it. I think Brother Glenn don't know enough. I think I know more than him. This is a young man. As a young man I thought I knew more than Glenn for a little while. But after he picked me up by the ditch a dozen times I figured I think he knows more than I do. <laughs> And what happens is, is that, that you, you begin to, to let that thing begin to build and a restless. Next thing you know, I can't stand Brother Glenn. He ain't even preaching the truth. <laughs> and next thing you know, you don't even want nothing to do with him. And next thing you know, you're talking bad about him. And you're doing everything else. What has happened? You are the voice of Satan in your community. If you talk against other Christians and churches all the time, you are not the voice of Christ or the Holy Spirit because he will not do that. He will not do that. The times God has pointed people out of my life and has told me and warned me, say, I'm changing something because there's something really wrong here. It was nothing I got up and, and began to preach and yell about. It's something that began to break my heart because I loved him. See, if God speaks to you, you'll have his heart. And if you don't have his heart, he ain't going to speak things to you like that. See, there's something about it that we begin to do things like that and why our neighbor is going to hell because they know nothing about Christ. We're standing there having issues about something in church. Don't tell me the Spirit of God is ever involved in that. I'm not saying we're having church problems. You didn't tell me we were having church problems. Okay, good. Cool. So there's nothing premeditated. If God's talking to you, awesome. <laughs> I just like the way God works because he's cool. And, but there's something about it. I want us to understand how these little foxes work because they kill and they destroy. How many young believers have walked away from churches because older believers had let foxes run wild? 
Oh, dear God. How many babies have been eaten by foxes that never should have been eaten? Way too many. That's something powerful. God, told, God showed me a picture of that one time in a church. Man. Somewhere those foxes have to be dealt with. Why? Because there's part of our productivity. He's out to kill. See, it's not just about me. It's not even... For my wife and I up in North Dakota, it's not about just our family only. There are several people. If everybody comes to church, and up there there's a cultural thing, and it's like, I really want to come to your church. What that means is within the next three to four months, they will show up at some time. And that's okay, because that's just the way it is. <laughs> it does not mean that Sunday they'll be there. But now here's the thing. I'm not the Holy Spirit, and if the Holy Spirit's working, why do I need to get in there? I just encourage them and love them, and I'm so glad when they come. Why? Because God's doing something in them. It ain't me. It's His Spirit. We sit on Facebook that one day, and we, were, we, were, we, we kind of got blessed. We were watching some of our, our nieces now who got families of their own. An hour from us, they were talking back and forth on, on stuff, and one of them was like, you know, I'm finally getting away from drinking and the stuff that I should now the only thing left is I need to get back in church. I need to get right. Another sister says, you know what? I think you're right. Maybe we ought to go to Aunt Jackie's church. We need to, pro we need to go one of these Sundays. Should we get all the sisters together and go? <laughs> We're just listening to him talk. No, we ain't even chasing them. God's just dealing with them. I don't have to chase them. The Holy Spirit, is he, he's powerful. He doesn't need me there. I don't have to grab the Holy Spirit and throw him on somebody. He can do it by himself. I don't have to do it. He can do it. You know? In fact, I'm his vessel. He ain't mine. He's in me. And through me and around me. He's the greater. I'm the lesser. He does what he wants to do. I just gotta, I gotta be doing what I'm supposed to do. Whatever it is, whether it be prophetic or apostolic or, or teaching or just loving someone at work or hospitality, whatever we have, God will use. All we have to do is get out there and use it and let the Spirit of God move. Because He's God. And He will do those things. But if we're not careful, we'll let restlessness begin to come in and it'll begin to steal the fruit that belongs there. I'm sorry to say that there is some fruit that should be here that isn't. Why? Because we all fall short. I want us to understand that we all fall short. I have had conversations with some people that, and, and Glenn, Glenn knows me, and, and Glenn is still my friend. And <laughs> we've had times, and Jackie is too, there's a time when someone finally crosses line with me where, where, I, where I have it. It's like, okay, I'm seeing red, you're dead. <clears throat> and there's no conviction at all. And it's like, anybody have that yet? Or not everybody's sanctified all the way yet. So I know some of you do. And, uh, but I'll have that and I'll have a moment with someone and I'll be like, you know what? I'm gonna, I had one get to me, oh, kick your butt. And I'm saying, come on down here. I'm at the front desk right now. I would love to step outside and talk to you for a minute and knock you out. And you're like, what? And by the time I'm in that conversation, I walk away and I'm gonna think, I might not win that person to Jesus. <laughs> I might have missed that fruit. But I, was that okay, Lord? I thought it was okay. <laughs> Sometimes it is, but not all the time. 
Because Jesus says stuff like turn another cheek, love them anyways. When they're bad, you treat them good. Why? Show them the character of God. Not the character of your fallen nature, but his character. And he's still working, he's still transforming all of us. But there's fruit. And I want to understand, there's fruit of salvation that are tied to every person in this room. There's fruit of salvation tied to every person in this room. Every one of us. And it could be our grandkids, our kids, our neighbors, our people in our workplaces. There's salvation tied to every one of us. I love talking to our grandbaby. We could talk about God. And she, she's, you know how little kids get, are smart? She's smart. And I was like, how did you get so smart? She said, I'm not sure. I said, I think God might have, might have made you that way. She said, God did. I'm like, that's right. Why? Because part of her salvation is tied to us. Part of her salvation is tied to this house. Part of this salvation is tied to people in her life. Man, sometimes those foxes are more important than we think. Now here, <clears throat> sometimes those little foxes even look like addictions. <laughs> like addictions, oh yeah. Doesn't matter what kind of addiction it is. Some of us are addicted to things that uh, we're even addicted to some things that we shouldn't be watching. Some of us are addicted to little things that we shouldn't be. Some of us are addicted to to our little pet hobby to such a degree that we leave out the things of God. Some of us are, can be addicted to drugs or alcohol. They're just escapes. I'm restless. I got to find something to do. I'm restless. I'm restless. I got to have something to do. You know, I, I've got to find me a hobby. I need something to fill my time. I'm restless. Those are cheap counterfeits, and they steal our fruit. They steal our fruit. Now, here's the other one is, is that restlessness will rob you of your birthright. Esau, when he missed out on his birthright, he did it because he was restless. He was impatient. How many of you here at your hungriest moment could stand to be a little hungrier for great deals of wealth and power and blessing. I'm a man who likes to eat, but I can make it. Esau couldn't. I am so hungry. What good does my birthright do if I'm starving to death? And he's a little bit of a drama queen. I'm starving to death. I'm dying. I'm wasting away. I told someone that one time about me, and they just laughed. They said, it would take you a long time to waste away. <laughs> you are not dying. <laughs> There'd be a famine and you would be looking good. Other people would be dead, you'd be looking good. He's a little dramatic. But when you look at Esau's life, his life was a life of restlessness. His life was not one of just pursuing the God. It wasn't pursuing his things. It had a lot to do with restlessness in his life. <clears throat> and that restless spirit in our life will rob us. Listen, we get in a place of, of that birthright, and, I, and, and I'll give you an example. I'm wrestling. I don't know what to do. I'm wrestling. I don't know what to do in, in, in my marriage. I don't know what to do in my job. I'm wrestling about what God has for me. I'm wrestling. Here, here's something I want to I say. Go ask God and hear him. This is your birthright. 
When I come into the kingdom, it says, my sheep will hear my voice and they will come. My sheep, who's that saying? All those who accept me as Lord and Savior, they'll be able to know me and hear me. And you might hear him differently. Some hear him in a dream or a vision. Some just hear him because they're reading the word and they know some could hear like a voice. There's many ways to hear God, but if you're not hearing God, it's because somewhere you've forgotten your birthright. Your birthright is I am now his son and I can come boldly to the throne of grace anytime I want to and I can come up to him and I can say, Abba, Father, I need you in this moment. What do I do in this situation? And it says, and if we ask him, will he not give it to us? That's all scripture. I could string together about 15, 20 scriptures of that all, all day. But we run around and we do the thing, well, I can't hear God. I can't hear God. I can't hear. In fact, I had a group of young prophets one time were doing that deal. They were talking about, oh, we can't hear God. God has put us in a dry season. I said, you little goofy fellas, quit telling people that. <laughs> I said, God did not quit talking. He did not stop being God. He did not take a vacation. Somewhere you need to say, God, whatever's wrong, whatever little foxes I have running in my life, get those things out of the way because something is standing in between you and me. It's killing our relationship and I need it out of my relationship. Because I'm wrestling hearing you today. It's because there's little foxes running around eating our fruit. They're eating the things that we'll grow into. They're eating the things that we're supposed to become. Until one day we become very old and we have a lot of regret. Oh, if I only would have served God better. Only if I'd have done other things better. I've run into guys in their 60s and 70s. I'd have called God in my life only if I would have done it. Wow, it's powerful. Our birthright is to hear his voice. And somewhere throughout the church world, people have been robbed of their birthright. Why is the church not strong in America? Because we don't hear him. We've forgotten our birthright. My birthright is what? To know him and to walk with him, to see him. That's my birthright. See, Adam made a mess of things, but Adam's place was still walking with him, and our place is still walking with him. And that intimate place between me and him, that's still our place, but somehow we've allowed things to come in, and they've robbed us, and we begin to make excuses for them instead of dealing with those little foxes. We said, it's okay to live with God in a place where I'm less than. And it's not Okay. It's not okay. There's a place where it's our birthright. It is our birthright to have victory in the different situations in our life. It's our birthright to know the goodness of God. It's our birthright, and I'm not saying we don't go through hard times. We go through hard times. We go through difficulties. We go through things. Here's the truth. Every one of us in this room will die one day, and that's the hardest thing there is to deal with is people dying. I don't want to see people die. In fact, I hate it. And one of the great things is on that last day, we can say, it's finally over, death. You no more have a reign anywhere because Christ has defeated you at the cross and you no longer will have a grip because I'm alive in Christ, never to die again. It's the last enemy. And it is an enemy. We, he can keep us in that place of wrestling. Keep us in that place. I don't know about you, but anybody, you know, when I, when I hurt my leg a while back, uh, I hurt it pretty good. 
In fact, in, uh, in looking backwards, someone, someone at my work said, I, I hope no one hits you with a tank like that again. And I was like, I hope if they do, it takes me out. That was really a hard process. I'd rather just go be, be with God. <laughs> no one found it funny but me. But then again, they're not saved yet, so we just throw little bits and pieces out there. Get them thinking, you know. See, I'm okay with dying. It's just the hurting and pain and all that other stuff was pretty rough. But when you go through that, the first thing I did is I remember laying there and saying, God, did I do something wrong? <laughs> did, did I miss something? You know, perhaps. <laughs> I have a track record of missing things. Is there something you really needed to get my attention? And the Lord told me, he said, no. In fact, I, I spared your life. I'm like, okay, cool. I wish we'd have missed the whole tank, though. <laughs> you know, if we could have just had your hand come and move that 1,000-gallon tank out of the way instead of ramming into me, that would have been cool. He just even talked to me. He said, no, I'm with you. It's okay. You're going to keep walking. I'm telling you, the first thing the enemy does is when you have a hard time, he begins to try to attack you and try to attack and get you in a place where he gets you so destitute. We all go through hard times. But the difference is, is that our birthright is that we come back to the Father at any moment in that time and say, Lord, we're ha I'm having a rough time. I need you. Where are you at? And his spirit comes. That's my birthright, is the comforter, is my birthright. The Holy Spirit is my birthright. He's not someone else. He's my birthright. And as I'm born into his kingdom, as I begin to cry out, Lord, I need you. He's there. Why? Because that's my birthright. And what happens is, is, is that when we allow the foxes to come in, he'll get us off in a place where pretty soon we don't even think the Holy Spirit is our birthright. We're like, I don't feel clean enough to walk close to God right now. All the things I've done this week, I don't feel holy enough. I can see my neighbor going to hell, but I ain't got nothing for him. I'm telling you what, if you got Jesus in you, you got enough for him. Just quit making excuses and go talk to him. It'll come. It'll come. I'm telling you, that we, th we make it more about us than we do about understanding who Jesus is. You say, oh, well, you have more anointing when you're walking with him. Well, yeah, sure, but let me tell you something. Jesus is always doing what Jesus does, and if you go talk to people about the Lord, something will happen. And it don't matter how good a Christian you've been that week, but if you begin to present Jesus to somebody else, you'll begin to find God comes on you and over you and through you as never before. I took one of the shyest men I ever knew in our church in Fort Totten into a jail one time. In fact, he was so shy, he, would, he was a big man and he would sit in the back like this with his hands kind of together. And he would just, and he, somebody would say, hi, hi. He would, just, he would just kind of hide from everybody. And I said, you know, he, you're, you should be doing something. And he's like, what do you mean I should be doing something? And I said, you're, you're doing nothing. You should be doing something. Why don't you come to jail with me? into jail. I'm like, yeah, I'll do most of the talking, you know, but maybe you could be there and help pray. Maybe you could do something. And so we got there and, and, uh, it, and I had like a 10 question deal because I had like a handout and Bibles and we had about 11 guys in there and, 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 and had this guy with me and this guy with me, I, I, I read one of the questions and I asked questions about salvation and, and no, one, no one had an answer. I said, what about you, Clayton? And he began to talk. Next thing you know, he's preaching, he's yelling, he's crying. He took over the room. 
I just stood back and watched. Pretty soon I look across, all those inmates were all in tears and crying. Sitting around there, a bunch of big Indian guys sitting there all crying around the table together. But what happened is, is, is that every one of them gave their heart to the Lord. Something amazing happened. We got out of there. I couldn't shut the man up. He was like, he was like blathering. I can't believe what happened. And finally, I said, what happened? He said, the minute I opened my mouth, he said, I felt like someone put a hat of a power, heat, and electricity on top of my head. And it shot through me, and I couldn't quit. He began to preach the gospel of Christ. It was not his nature. It was not how good he was. He was just getting in the same place God is. And let me say, if you've got foxes running your life, you're not in that place. It'll keep you out of it. It'll keep you in the place where you're not doing instead of doing. It'll keep you in the place where you're so concerned. Well, God, you have to understand my family's situation. You have to understand all the things we've been through. It's that hee-haw. I, I really wanted John to sing that someday. That hee-haw song, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Whoa, they only knew my woes. That's just excuses. God, what do you want to do? Hey, if that's the most important relationship in our life, shouldn't we be doing that? I'm tell you what, when we were first married, I'd do anything Jackie wanted to do. And I do most of the time now, but not all the time. She's still working on me. But she could say, hey, let's go hang pink flowers. I'd be like, all right, right on. It's my favorite thing to do. You know, she might even have me playing a tambourine, but it'd be close. <laughs> it'd have been close, but Jesus helped me through that one. <laughs> You know, there's something about, are we in that place where we're really building that relationship with God of love? Are we taking care of that fruit that's supposed to be coming off that relationship? Is it growing? Is it doing something? Is it producing something? Is something happening because of it? That's the proof, isn't it? That they'll know us by what? by our love, but by our fruit. They'll know us by those things. I want to look at here, too, just another verse in Isaiah 26. I want to talk about how to break through this spirit of, of restlessness. Isaiah 26 and verse 3, it says, You will keep in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee because he trusts in you. Perfect peace is the only thing that can destroy restlessness in our life. It's the only thing. Nothing else will destroy restlessness except for the perfect peace of God. And I want to explain this verse a little bit because sometimes it sounds like, oh, this is just a nice, kind little verse. That word stayed is the same word they used when they said, hey, son, we're going to sacrifice this lamb. I want you to stay the lamb. And if anybody's ever killed anything, you find out something quick. Nothing likes to die. It's messy, and it's hard, and not everybody can do it. And as I got ready to sacrifice the lamb, when, we, when they said, grab a hold of that sheep and hold and stay him, 
they would grab onto that sheep with both hands. They would hobble that sheep. They would do whatever they had to do to hold onto that sheep because the minute they cut them, and when they cut them, they cut them so they could take the blood and put it in a basin and they could, they could drain the blood out of that animal and they could use that as part of the offering of sacrifice before the Lord. And so what happened as they begin to grab a hold of that lamb, they're going to do that. That lamb began to cry. That lamb began to struggle. That lamb began to try to get away any way it could get away. It wasn't always pretty. Sacrifice is never pretty. I don't know why people think it's pretty. When you sacrifice before Lord, that's the only thing that brings the things of God, but it is not the nice, pretty things that we think. And when they said, stay the lamb, they weren't playing around. You grab a whole lot of thing for everything you have, and you do it. And here's what happens, is that if we want to have breakthrough and dominion the same way Esau had to come into dominion, we have to get into a place where we begin to, to grab a hold of the Lord and we begin to say, because why? My mind is stayed on you. My marriage might be in problems, but I don't care it's in problems because I've got a hold of you and I trust you and I'm not letting go. I'm holding on with both hands. I don't care if there's blood everywhere. I don't care if it stinks. I don't care what it looks like. I'm holding on to you with everything I got. And I'm not letting go, God. I'm not letting go. I'm trusted in you. I'm believing in you. I'm trusted in you. Why do so many things fall apart and are destroyed? Why? Because the people are not grabbing hold of them with both hands. Because here's what I know. My God can do all things. Nowhere does it say he can do something. Nowhere does it say we're second place. Well, my life is a mess and everything. You know why? Because somewhere you've got to grab a hold of God and say, God, I trust you. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what people say about what it looks like. I don't care what happens down the road. God, I've got nothing but you. That's what Peter was. Peter was like, God, I've got nowhere to go but you. I've got to hang on to you. I don't like what I see. I don't care for what I see. I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around it. But God, I trust you and I'm not letting go of you no matter what because you're the only one who can bring me life. And I've got to hang on to you. See, somewhere in there, I'll tell you what, when we do that, marriages turn around. The mess of our life turns around. I don't know about you, but I know what it is to be messy in my life. When I had grabbed a hold of Jesus, I had some people who thought it was crazy. I had some people make fun of it. I had some other people do some other things, but you know what? I was so busy trying to hold on to the Lord. I was like, Lord, I got to hold on to you because this is the first time in my life I've ever experienced the life and the love of God, and I can't let go because nothing else compares to you. I got to hold on to you. There's nothing else I could do. I might look goofy. I might look weird. I might look strange even telling someone about Jesus, but there's something about the Lord. If I hang on to the Lord and I don't let go, there's something about breakthrough that I'll walk in that others won't walk in. I'll catch them little foxes and I'll kill them and they'll quit running my life. They'll quit running me all the time. God, I'm tired of being afraid. I'm going to grab a hold of you till I ain't afraid. God, I'm tired of being jealous. I'm grabbing a hold of you till I'm not jealous. God, I'm tired of constantly trying to perform. To, like somehow I'm going to perform to be worthy enough to serve God. I'm tired of trying to, trying to wrestle with my goodness. God, I'm going to hang on to you and I'm going to trust you that you've begun a good work in me and you're going to finish it. I might stumble, I might fall, but I'm still your child. God, I'm going to hang on to you. I don't care if I look goofy. I don't care if I come to the altar every Sunday to ask forgiveness for sins. If I got to do it a million Sundays, then I do. But God, I'm hanging on to you until I have breakthrough in my life. That's how breakthrough comes. And what happens is, is that all of us, and many of us here today have experienced some breakthrough, but somehow we've allowed some little foxes to continue. And we're like, God, we're waiting for that big revival. And God's like saying, hey, it's time to catch the foxes. 
It's time to catch those little foxes running around eating your fruit. There's something eating your fruit. There's something taking you away from me. There's something taking you away from that fire of God. There's something taking you away from, from that greatness and that holiness of God. There's something that's pulling you down. There's something holding you back. It's time to grab a hold of those things and begin to grab a hold of me and begin to hang on to me and begin to trust me. It don't matter what it looks like. It's going to be hard. Uh, I know several of us here, we don't have sheep, but a lot of us have watched cattle stuff done or helped do it. There's nothing glamorous about doing cattle. There's no cowboy sitting there with the sun in the background looking cool. They're on the ground. They're dirty. They're dusty. They're muddy. They're getting kicked. They're getting stomped. When they're done, they all go eat hamburgers just to get revenge on them stupid cows. <laughs> you know, there's stuff hanging out and flipping out, and you're like, you should have wore a belt today. There's nothing beautiful happening when you're down there wrestling them stupid cows. Hey, there's nothing beautiful sometimes when we've got to wrestle through some of these things in our life, but if we don't do it, we won't have the breakthrough that we need. There's a breakthrough, and it's here, it's for us, but somewhere we have to say, God, I'm going to get back in the place. A perfect peace where I'm stayed on you. I don't care what everybody else does. I don't care what my husband does, what my wife does. Well, we do care, but we don't at that's this part. I'm going to serve you. And if my spouse turns into the devil incarnate, I ain't going to go back firing at him the same way like the devil. I'm going to trust you because I know you're God, and I'm going to hang on to you, and I'm going to be good to you, and I'm going to do what God has me to do as a husband, what God has me to do to a wife. I'm going to follow the ways of God and the things of God no matter what they're doing. Instead of letting the devil win the fight, I'm going to stay, and I'm going to hold on to God, and it's going to stink, and it might get ugly, but at the end, I'm going to have a breakthrough. That's what God wants us to do, amen? Let's all stand today. Let's all bow our heads for a moment. I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us. Ah, I'll tell you what, don't ever think You've gotten to the place where there isn't some spiritual fox that's trying to find their way in to chew stuff. Listen, in this house, and I just I feel that so strongly in this house, Glenn, that there's supposed to be prophetic people and evangelistic people raise up and step out and start being who they're supposed to be. There's supposed to be people in this place who, who, who write songs. There's supposed to be people in this place who begin to, to do very creative things in this house, but somehow they've allowed the foxes to eat their fruit, and they're sitting in a place of barrenness, and God is saying, catch those little foxes, get a hold of me. It's time that you begin to be the man or woman I made you to be. Lord, we pray right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you begin to speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak to each and every heart and mind in this house. Lord, is there things that you want to talk to us about? Are there things that, that we've been avoiding that we know somewhere we're, we're lacking the peace of God? And that very thing is like crippling us in our spiritual walk. It's crippling us in our relationships. Listen, there's some today, and I, I don't say that lightly again. I, there's some today that you're wrestling with physical things, and that physical thing is some way tied to that, and I don't know who or why or how. But I'm telling you, there's an open door that the enemy is trying to gnaw on the very things that you're supposed to be productive in. 
And God says, I want to shut that door on that voice. I want to kill those little foxes, and I want you to start becoming the man or woman I made you to be. Lord, I pray that today. I pray, Lord, that you begin to help all of us. Lord, speak to us. I pray in this house that you begin to, to visit ones, Lord. Help us get rid of some of these things that are hurting us, whether it be things that we might think are big like addictions or things that we might think aren't that big, Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, begin to show them to us. Get it out of us, Lord God. Lord, there's some in here today that their future is tied to hundreds and hundreds of people. And somewhere the enemy is trying to put so much stuff on them. And the enemy is lying to you about it, saying this is just what it is to live life. This is what it is to be in this, to work this kind of job. This is what it is to do this. That's a lie because the calling of God is still sitting on your life. And God is saying, begin to follow what I have and I'll change everything. It's not by might or by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by anything you can do, but it's by me. If you will just submit to me and follow me, I will change things. I will make the crooked ways straight. Some of you, there's almost been like a clinical depression because things have got so twisted around. God says, I will make the ways straight and I will set your feet on a rock and I'll put a new song in your mouth. And that song will be a song of praise. And I'll begin to guide your feet step by step, day by day. And your life will never be the same. Brother Glenn. I want everybody to bow your heads for just a moment. We're not going to, I'm not, I started to say we're not going to hold you much longer. We're going to hold you as long as God says to. Is that all right? There's a couple of things that really stood out to me as Damon was talking, and he and I talked a little bit about what he was going to preach yesterday, and these little foxes, I just took that before God and started asking him, and God talks to me in kind of strange ways sometimes, because he has to do that to get me to understand, but he said there's these cute little things that we've developed in Christianity, and I thought of how cute the little foxes are, and how we just smile at them and so forth. But then the things he started talking to me about aren't that cute. But he talked to me about, we got to thinking because of past situations that if I'm going to be a real Christian, I've got to pray this amount of time every day. I've got to read this amount of scripture every day. And that becomes an earthly rule in our mind. And we do that usually for about three days, and then we don't, and it becomes a condemnation. And truth is, when it becomes a condemnation, we talk to God much more after that, throughout the day, trying to wrestle with that, trying to, we're restless, we're, we're wrestling with it and, and condemning ourselves. And the next thing we know, we make ourselves so busy that we don't have time to deal with it, but when we think of the church, we think the church should be doing those cute little things. Now, we're too busy, but the church should be doing those cute little things. And if we don't see it, we begin to be even more restless and think, well, there's another church down the road. There, there's somebody that's doing those cute little things. There's somebody that's singing those cute little songs. Let me tell you something. Serving God's not cute. It's the kingdom business. And sometimes it's wrestling with our own thought processes. Damon started talking about breakthrough, and that's the other thing I want to mention. And then I want to pray with you and let you go. 
But breakthrough is combining two words. The Holy Spirit will provide a break in that thing that's causing you to be restless. And it's up to you with him to go through. When you go through, the break closes behind you and you can't go back there and live in what you think produced the move of God 20 years ago. The truth is it didn't produce all that much of a move. We've not yet seen what God's going to do on this earth. And I'm telling you, it's coming in spite of us, not because of us. But he'll give you a break. And if you'll go through and let yesterday be yesterday and begin to live in today knowing that the future's in his hands. And hear what he's saying now and begin to say it, begin to walk in it. You'll, be, you'll begin to come overcome the deism of our culture and begin to go around and people will be saying, God is with the Lord. God is with Damon. Why? Because he is. And you're manifesting it and you'll be overcoming that deal of there is a God, but he's not much involved now. Oh yes, he's involved in my life. You come close and you'll find out. You get in a conversation, you'll find out because our God is with us. Our God is here. He's manifest. It's up to us how we'll respond to that. So if you're praying for breakthrough, start looking for a break and getting rid of your past and walk through that break and know that it's closing behind you. You'll never be able to identify what God is doing now by looking back to Azusa Street. God wants to do a 2017 thing. Build your